0: What kind of memories do you have? Think about your best memory this morning. And then think about your worst memory. Usually with our worst memories, we try to push them to the back of our minds, even live in denial of them. And in the case of our best memories, we like to relive them a whole lot. Last Sunday, Helen and I had the opportunity of joining our son at Red Lane Baptist in Powhatan, Virginia, outside of Richmond, where we uh, served a number of years ago. And we had a good time going down memory lane, but this is what meant the most about it. It wasn't just talking about the things that we'd done that we'd had a lot of fun with with that church and in particular the mission projects that we had shared in, it was the fact that the folks that we had made those memories with were there. And so we weren't just talking about the times and the people. The people we made the memories with were right with us. And that's really what made it special, and we really enjoyed, being able to sit down and talk about those memories that we made together. The Lord Jesus, when He gave us what we know as the Lord's Supper, did so because He doesn't want us to just remember what He did. He wants us to remember with Him. He is here today because He said where two or three are gathered together in My name, there I am, in their midst, right in the middle of them. Jesus is not way off in heaven, He is right here with us right now, and we remember what He did for us on the cross with Him being right beside us, right among us. Now, this, the Lord's Supper has a wonderful history behind it, and if you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as I give you some of the history. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Sacred meals were a big part of the way the Old Testament people celebrated their relationship with the Lord and got closer to Him. For example, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, after giving him the Ten Commandments, Moses, his brother Aaron, 70 of the elders of Israel, and some of the other folks journeyed up Mount Horeb, which was called the Mountain of God, and there they had a meal in the presence of the Lord. And God used that as a time for them just to get together and to be together, His leadership and Him together. And so over and over again, you see all these feasts in the Old Testament when you read through it. And the purpose of the different feasts, the underlying purpose of all these various feasts and festivals was to get with God and hang out with Him and spend time with Him and build a relationship with Him. Have you ever noticed how we get closer to people and open up with each other when we eat? Nine times out of ten, if we try to set up a gathering with somebody, what do we do? Let's get together. Let's get together at lunchtime. Let's get together for dinner, etc. That's just a natural way. When I was meeting with my middle school guys today, they told me they like to eat. And I was very fascinated with the kinds of things they told me they like to eat. So uh, I've got one guy that's really into seafood, and he was giving me all kinds of different seafood things that he enjoys having. I realized I'm going to have some interesting parties with him, etc. But we use those times of eating to draw close to each other, and that was the same way they did it. Now, the most sacred meal that they shared together was what was known as the Passover. And the center of the Passover was the lamb, a lamb that had no spot or blemish, perfect lamb that was sacrificed and then roasted, and they shared that lamb together as the central part of the Passover meal. Now, what Jesus does with the Lord's Supper, is He takes the Passover meal and He adds new meaning to it and brings it into His ministry. And so that He, as the Lamb of God, is sacrificed and giving Himself for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul is the writer. He was writing to the Christians who were in Corinth, and he's giving them specific instructions about how they are to take what we know as the Lord's Supper. Let's begin with verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, begin with verse 23. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this. In remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now notice the phrase that is repeated here twice. For both the bread and and the cup, do this in remembrance of Me. Do this in remembrance of Me. Now my sermon outline is contained on the back of your bulletin. And fo- follow along if you would. Do this in remembrance of Me. Notice the action that he begins with. Do this. Don't just think about it. Don't be passive, involve yourself, engage it, do this in remembrance of me. Now first of all, it's a command that Jesus gave to the disciples that Paul is repeating to the body of Christ, not just individuals. We together do this. He is present among us together. And the reason I emphasize that is because so often in Western culture, we operate in such an individualistic mindset. We tend to view the Christian life as I'm in this by myself, and I can make it by myself, and I just do it all as an individual. But folks, when we separate from one another, we're never going to grow in the Lord because God never designed for this to be an individual walk in life. We're in this together. And so when he says, do this, he's saying to the church, to the body of Christ, do this. It is a command. All of you together are to do this. Taking this supper is not optional for us. Sometimes folks say, well you know, I don't feel like I'm worthy to take this supper. i got sin in my life, so maybe I shouldn't take this supper. I'm not ready for it. The answer to that is not to not take the supper. The answer is to get right with God and take the supper. That's the whole reason He calls us to the table. To get right with Him so that we can take it because He's commanded us to come and take this. And to take it together. Memory is much more powerful when we do it together. Now notice when He says do this, it is a full sensory event, and Jesus set it up like that. When you take the bread and the juice today, you are going to touch it. You've got to hold it in your hand. You're going to smell it as you take it up to your mouth. You're going to taste it as it passes into your mouth, and you chew and you swallow. You're going to hear me say the words, This is my body, and this is my blood shed for you. It's a total sensory event. And Jesus designed it intentionally so that we cannot be passive about taking this supper. We have to engage all that we are with our senses to taste it, to see it, to smell it, to hear it. He's trying to pull all that we are into the experience of this. As we take the Lord's Supper, we reflect on what He's done for us. We revere and reverence Him for what He's doing and we are experiencing Him in what He is right now. Notice what He says again, that verb, do this. He is present when we take this supper, but there's a specific way that He is present. And please don't miss it. Let me illustrate it this way. To you, I'm a pastor, so you experience me as your pastor. To my wife, I'm her husband. So she experiences me as a husband. To my son, I'm his dad. So Jonathan experiences me as his dad. In each of those relationships, they experience me in the role that I carry. Jesus is fully present in all the different ways we experience Him, but He's present in different ways and in the Lord's Supper, He is specifically present to us as the One who was crucified for us, who died for us. So the idea of the presence of the Lord in the Lord's Supper is that if we're going to experience Him, it's we experience Him as the One who died for us. Now, He gave us the gift of imagination, and He expects and wants us to use it. So when you and I take the Lord's Supper, use the imagination that God has given you. And this is what I want you to encourage you to imagine. Imagine as you take the bread and you consider it as representing His body that was broken for you on the cross. Imagine the body of the Lord Jesus as He was preparing to die for us with the beating that He took before He got to the cross. Imagine what it was like when He was walking up what was known as the Via Della Rosa, that long, hard track through the city of Jerusalem up to Mount Calvary where He would die, bearing that cross on top of a body that was already bleeding and beaten. Imagine what it was like when they laid His body down on that cross and began driving nails through His hands and through His feet, the pain that He must have felt. Imagine what it was like when He was hanging on that cross hour after hour on that Friday afternoon, the blood slowly draining from His body. And in those days when they crucified, we have this idea of crucifixion that you looked up at the one that was being crucified. But actually, they crucified you at eye level so that people could walk by and spit on you and laugh at you. Notice it talks in the Scriptures about how they plucked His beard. Well, the way they plucked His beard is He was eye level. They could literally walk up, grab a hold of His cheeks, and yank His beard out of Him. That's what He was going through. That's the what sin does to the Son of God. That's the intensity and the power of His love. Take your mind's eye and, and go back and experience that. Realize that as you watch Him bleed that every drop of blood that is coming from His body is His way of measuring your worth and your importance to Him. I don't care what anybody has ever said about you, about what you are not worthy of, or what you are, have no value, etc. Every person in here has this said about them, that you are worth every drop of blood that the Son of God shed for you on the cross. You and I cannot be worth any more than the life and the blood of the Son of God. There is no greater statement that can be made about a human being that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, poured out every ounce of blood for you and for me. I remember when I was a teenager, and I was sharing this with my class this morning, having my dad having walked out on us when I was 13, and blaming myself for that, and for years thinking that, I wasn't worth my dad even hanging around for. And the day that I was able to look in the mirror and not look in the mirror and say, I'm the guy that his dad walked out on, but I was able to look in the mirror and say, I am the guy that Jesus Christ died for and shed every ounce of blood for. And folks, that day I walked away from the mirror a different person. And that is the idea of the imagination that he asked us to engage Do this, he says, how? In remembrance of me. The ancient Hebrews had an interesting concept about how you walked into the future. They said you walk into the future looking backward. And this is their idea, that as you walk into the future... You look back on what God has done, and that gives you confidence and assurance that whatever you're walking into is going to be a continuation of what God has done. You live in anticipation of what He's going to do. So when He says, in remembrance of me, we're looking back on what He's done. But we're living in anticipation of what He's going to do. Now I want you to write this down by the word remembrance. There are several Greek words that are used in the New Testament to speak of remembering. This particular word that Paul uses here means to remember someone affectionately. It's not that I just remember somebody. I remember them with affection. There's a sense of closeness. There's the sense of it being personal. There's a sense that they touched my life. When He says, do this in remembrance of Me, He's not saying, I just want you to recall like it's a bunch of cold historical facts that I died on the cross, like you could remember anything out of history. What Jesus is saying here is, when you take this supper, remember with a sense of affection. Remember with a sense of being connected to Me. Remember with a sense of loving Me. Remember with a sense of of Me being close to you and near to you. Think about the person that's been in your life that you've been the closest to. I had a grandmother growing up that probably shaped and impacted my life as much as anybody. She'd been with the Lord now for uh, about 12 years. But uh, my grandmother loved me and just poured her life into me and was one of my biggest fans. And every time I think about my grandmother or I see a picture of her, I remember her, but I remember her with a sense of being close to her. When I think of grandmother, I don't think it's not just something a little neutral, you know, yeah, grandmama was there. I think of grandmother with that sense of affection, that sense of being close to her, etc. And that's the idea of the word that he's using here. When you remember me, Jesus says, don't remember me in some cold, impersonal way. He's saying, remember me that I'm the one who loves you. I'm the one that died for you. I'm the one that's walking with you every day. I'm the one that's vitally involved in your life. Remember me in a personal Personal, close sense. I'm the one who's near you. The focus is on me. Folks, one of the reasons he calls us to this table is that the focus is on him and the focus is not on us. The reason he says to do this over and over and over again is because it's his way of putting a habit into our lives where we don't focus on ourselves. We focus on him. You know the biggest problem we have in church? We worship ourselves sometimes when we do Jesus. We focus on ourselves more than we do Jesus. We get our feelings hurt and get all on a huff. Why? Because we're focused on us more than we are Jesus. He calls us to this table to say, Get your focus on Me and keep your focus on Me. It's all about Me. In remembrance of who? In remembrance of Me. And when we focus on Him, we move to the place of obedience. And we move to the place of what I call specific obedience. And this is what I mean by specific obedience. The Lord says, I want you to go to this place, and we go. The Lord says, I want you to do this, and we do it. See, I I love general obedience. General obedience is, yes, Lord, I'll be obedient to You, but then there's nothing specifically that I have to be obedient about, so I go around and say, I'm going to be obedient to Him, but then there's nothing I really have to live it out. But when the Lord begins to put out specific things, you've got to forgive this person. You've got to get in right relationship with this person. You've got to get free of this habit. You've got to give up this addiction. Oh, I don't like that specific stuff, Lord. But He always moves us in the direction of specific Obedience. And so when we come to this table, we're saying, yes, Lord, but I'm going to say, yes, Lord, to the specific things in my life that you're telling me. In remembrance of who? In remembrance of me. Now, who is the me? Of course, that's Jesus. But I want to go back to where we started this service in Isaiah, chapter 55. It says, Draw near to the Lord because He's already drawn near to you. Who's the person that I'm drawing near to is the person who's already drawn near to me. You see, when we move towards Him, we we bump into Him really quick because we discover He is already there in remembrance of me. He calls us to this table because what He's trying to say to us is, I am so present in your life, but I want you to understand how present I am in your life. Let's pray. Lord, as we come right now to this table, thank You that You're here that we will meet with You right now, that You want to come close to us. Jesus, help us just to come close to You. Thank You that You measured our worth and value and the blood that You poured out on the cross and the life that You gave for us. Thank You, Jesus, that You are calling us to walk with You that You are calling us to live in the deliverance that You've got for us. That You are calling us to Yourself. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give you some time right now in prayer, alone with the Lord, to say, Jesus, show me anything in my life that I need to give over to You so that I can come near to You recognizing that You've already come near to me.